Go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds on politics, offering insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Join me, Tyler Foggett, for conversations with the most knowledgeable minds from The New Yorker that will dive deep on the most interesting political story of the week. Then, Susan Glasser, Jane Mayer, and Evan Osnos gather to hash out what's happening in Washington, D.C., with an insider's understanding of the high stakes at this perilous moment for American democracy. Plus, our editor David Remnick will provide you with insightful storytelling with a mix of interviews and profiles. That's all happening on the political scene. Make sure you're following it now, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jason Kander. And I'm Robbie Gupta. And this is Majority 54, the podcast that helps Americans who voted for progress convince those who didn't to join our majority. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Today we're doing something different. It is a live mailbag episode. We decided to do this in order to help you prepare for your Thanksgiving dinner. You're going to run into relatives, friends, the friends who your relatives bring, who are going to say some incendiary stuff, and you're already thinking about how you're going to respond, and you're probably dreading it a little bit. And we thought it might be helpful to talk to some people who are in the same boat coach them a little bit, and let you listen in. I don't know about you, Ravi. I had an awesome time doing this, and I want to do it again. I feel like we should do this like once a month. I feel like sometimes I struggle to to find hope or to picture what our audience is looking for. And then I think in, in talking to these these three listeners, it just makes it so tangible about why we do this podcast. And it, it really inspired me to to keep thinking of ways to to give people more advice and content to help them get through these conversations. I totally agree. Um, I had a blast doing this as well. It, it like helped me remember why we started doing this in the first place. And uh, it was really great. And I want to thank everybody who did this with us. With that, let's hear from our first listener, uh, Megan from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who is preparing for Thanksgiving with her extended family. Oh my gosh. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Megan. How you doing? I'm so good. This is so exciting. It's so oh, wonderful good. to meet you. <laughs> Megan, tell us where you're calling in from and, and what the issue is. Um, so I'm calling from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, my issue is that, you know, I was so excited last year when Wisconsin swung for Biden. Um, and I love that there's so much effort to you know, like rally behind certain states and adopt states. And I think people all over the country got really excited about states like Wisconsin, but I don't think people have any idea. Maybe you do, Jason, because, you know, being in Missouri, but how hard it is to actually live in a state that does something like that so often. Well, I, I was campaigning in Wisconsin once and somebody described Wisconsin to me as they said, people think Wisconsin is a purple state, but it's not. They said it's a blue state and a red state. And it just depends on the year. So it sounds from your voicemail like your family is the red state part. Yeah. So uh, what's really tricky about it is we live in Milwaukee, which is obviously like one of the bluest chunks of Wisconsin. But then right next door where I grew up is Waukesha County, which is where Paul Ryan is from. And it's the yeah. yeah. And it's the most conservative county. So you have these like very juxtaposing views. So uh, my whole family is conservative, but not just conservative, like 
they are so allegiant to the cult of Trump. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, they have totally shifted from the quote unquote normal Republicans to like they would follow Donald Trump off a cliff. Uh, I don't understand how it happened, but it changed so quickly. Well, and, and just to, to go back for the listener, I'm going to summarize your voicemail that you sent in a little bit. So the family is conservative, blue collar. You you were the first to go to college in the family, right? Yeah, on my dad's side, I was. And I went to college in New York City, which was obviously very different from Waukesha County, Wisconsin. Clearly <laughs> radicalized you. Uh, you, <laughs> you got a degree in public health. Uh, mm -hmm. And your dad supported that, but then he wouldn't get the vaccine. Uh, right. And and then your mom basically made him, right? Yeah. So my dad wouldn't get the vaccine. Um, he said, none of you would get the vaccine when Donald Trump thought it was a good idea. But now that Biden's president, you're all just jumping on the bandwagon. I'm not going to do it. You know, wouldn't do it. And I was like, you supported me like all through school. You wanted me to get my master's degree. But in public health, it, it, in public health in Milwaukee and he didn't he wouldn't he didn't care he wouldn't listen and my mom forced him to go and before he got his second shot he said I will not go unless you admit to me that Donald Trump actually won the election so what'd you do uh truthfully I cried uh there was a lot of emotion <laughs> yeah. um because it was just it had come to a boiling point with my whole family most of them weren't vaccinated until very recently because they'll lose their jobs if they don't and you know, that's some of what I wanted to ask you about. Like, I am in a position where I am so emotional about these topics because they're so important to me mm -hmm. that the nonsense that's just like permeating my family is it's to a breaking point where like, w like, we'll just scream and like walk out of doors and the holidays are just going to be it's going to be a volcano eruption. I know it is. And I'm I'm coming. I'm seeking some help because. I know you're supposed to keep your emotions out of it, but how do you keep your emotions out of topics that you spend your life pursuing and are passionate about when people just, all they listen to is Facebook. That's it. Did your dad get the second shot? Yeah, okay. he did. Well, then I don't think you should keep your emotions out of it because I think your emotions are the reason that your dad got the second shot. My, my sense is that when it comes to the vaccine, you can talk about what you learned you know, about public health and, and in the work that you do all you want. But really, I mean, he just cares about his daughter. He cares about his daughter and the rest of your family cares about keeping their jobs. And that's ultimately what's going to get a lot of people to get vaccinated. But OK, I have another question, which is when you get to Thanksgiving dinner, are you literally all by yourself or are there or is there like another liberal somewhere in the family who's just quiet? Nope, I'm all by myself this year. I have one cousin who is I'm the youngest by a lot. And I have one cousin who's sort of the same age as me. She lives in New York City and she can't come home because she can't afford to fly because it's so expensive to fly home. Yeah. Um, so, no, I'm I'm truly the lone soldier. And uh, usually the conversation like starts out pretty tame. But like after dinner, it'll get to like that quiet racism where you're like, what did my uncle just say? You know, that kind of stuff. Have you experimented with just having no politics discussed at these venues. I know this is very on majority 54 like thing to suggest, but part of what my strategy is, is that I don't engage in politics unless like it's a very surgical moment where I feel like I can make some kind of progress on a given issue, you know, yeah. and now that you're the vaccine stuff is kind of behind you, it sounds like, you know, not because they were convinced for the right reasons necessarily, but I, it seems to me like it's less of an issue because as you described, most of them got it. So yeah. maybe you don't need to relitigate that right now. 
Yeah, I, uh, you know? I'm hopeful about that. But unfortunately, just like living in Wisconsin, like between Kyle Rittenhouse and Aaron Rodgers, who my family oh my thinks God. is a patriot. I, he may be a patriot soon. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's hard for me to stay silent when these conversations will inevitably come up among my family. And right now, like this couldn't be a worse time because of I just heard my family talking about Kyle Rittenhouse yesterday. We're about a half an hour from Kenosha. So like it's it's very close to home. I mean, literally, my family said yesterday, every person Kyle Rittenhouse shot were criminals. So why are you siding with the mob? Like that's what's going to come up. And I, I just can't stay silent. So I don't know how to convey my thoughts and feelings without getting so upset that I just retreat and I don't want to necessarily have to do that, you know? So my guess is that there's no way to avoid politics because they're just going to come for you. Like, it's like there's blood in the water when you're there, right? Like they're they're going to bring it up to you. But what do you think about this, Megan? You know, like that kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. And like, even if you try to like gently guide them into something else, it's going to be like, well, what about the Packers? Oh, did you hear about Aaron Rodgers? We can't even shift it because there's so much nonsense going on right now. Do they know how trepidatious you are about being at the family dinner? Like, do they know like what you're telling us right now? Do they know that? Uh, My mom does. My mom likes to think of herself as Switzerland. Uh, She's like threatened to walk out of the house more than once because my dad and I will go at it or my uncles and I will go at it. So she does. But everybody else just knows that they can overpower me so i don't think tell me more about mom because she's the one who convinced your dad to get the vaccine too but she's she's still a trump supporter i think she voted for donald trump the first time because she didn't tell me she did it and i feel like people who didn't vote for donald trump are usually pretty much like whoa i didn't vote for that guy (laughs) um so she's always like i'm not gonna say anything um but i know she didn't this time uh i think she was yeah i think she was just really disgusted with she very much like takes the stance about politics. Like, like she wouldn't have voted for Hillary Clinton because she stayed with Bill Clinton after the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Like she's very okay. traditional women's values, but she convinced my dad to get vaccinated and she knows I'm trepidatious and she knew I was coming to talk to you. And she said, just, we kind of sit and silence, like she's open to both sides, but she yeah. would never come to my defense, I don't think. Well, work on her maybe individually is my suggestion. It's like, yeah. don't do not do it in these big group settings where people are performing for each other. Sure. You know, it's not it's not a good setting. And yeah. so maybe I would work on her because it, it, if, you, if you're a longtime listener to the show, you'll know I'm there's certain members of my family I don't talk to. And in part, I do things like go to Costa Rica for the holidays because there's so, there's so much bad blood. But there are certain members who are pers- more persuadable than others. And it sounds like to me, it's really important for you to be able to have this venue to go home and spend time with your family and, or be home and have uh, spent time with your family. So maybe work on her and then be strategic about what you engage with or not. And maybe she can help you create the guardrails. But there was one thing that you said that made me think that you maybe enjoy it a little bit too. Cause you were like, you and your dad go at it and things like that. And like, <laughs> you have to decide what your goal is. Do you want, like, do you want to court the combat? Do you want to avoid it? Like what's, what do you truly want to get out of these gatherings? Yeah. Um, I think there's a piece of me that always hopes that there's some convincing, but truthfully, the, they are the perfect example of the Facebook algorithm at work. And if I tried to cite facts from the CDC, the New York times, they would look at me and say, well, that's a bunch of corrupt government and media 
nonsense. And that's all, it's all just liberal. So there really is no convincing. I don't think, I mean, we can yell until we want to, but I guess I'm also curious what you would think, like when it's unwinnable and yet you're still in these situations, like what is your best well, advice when you're stuck in a house together? <laughs> well, I, 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 I've written some stuff down that I'll give you in a second, but let me, let me ask you okay. a question, which is, um, okay. So we know one of the topics is going to be the Kyle Rittenhouse thing, which I guess is basically like one topic is, I mean, let's just call it race. Uh, and it's, with maybe like a little bit of guns thrown in there, right? Yeah. And then what? And then what's going to be one of the other major topics that comes uh, up? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. So like COVID. Vex, yeah, COVID. Aaron um, Rodgers to me is easy. I think just this is true of Rittenhouse and Aaron Rodgers is like it, it's if if they don't react to the. New York Times this or New York Times that, both in the Rittenhouse case and Aaron Rodgers, there's like primary source material you can argue over if you want to argue, which is Aaron Rodgers being asked directly whether he was vaccinated, saying yeah, and then saying he was immunized. I would just focus on that and be like, forget what the New York Times says. The guy was asked a direct question. He said, yeah, that would, yeah, that's yeah, all I would say. Yeah, narrow it down that. to like one yeah. indisputable thing. Like, because that's what they're doing to you, right? Like what they're doing right. to you, like they decided to pick to go after the victims in the shooting and just to, to put them on trial with you, right? Well, whatever we think of it, that is a tactic of argument. I mean, I'm sure it's what's gone on in the courtroom, right? So you can do that too. I mean, you can say, hey, let's you want, let's watch the video of the question that Aaron Rodgers was asked, you know? And I think it's probably also important for you to be like, look, I assume this is true. I'm still a Packers fan. Like you could tell them like, and you, and you should even also say to them, like, do you know how hard this is for me? I'm yeah. a, like, this is upsetting to me. Like, why did, why did he have to do this to me? You know, <laughs> like make, you know, um, one thing I think you should give yourself some credit for is your mom represents a victory for you. Like if you look at Wisconsin and the voters that, that our side went after your dad and like your male cousins or whatever, those are the people like in the ideal world, we get them, but they're not the most gettable voters. The voters that made the difference in the election are the Megan's moms. And you, <laughs> and you seriously, and you played a role in that and yeah. it made a difference in a huge state. So that's one thing. What would happen if you, so all the stuff you've said to your mom and the stuff you've said to us, what would happen if you like the first time this comes up with everybody sitting there and it starts to get kind of heated at dinner? What would happen if you just told them everything you told us? What if, what would happen if you said, hey, look, everybody, like, I know this is what you want to talk about and I will do that. I love you all and I will talk about that. But I want you to know that I've been dreading being with all of you and I've like been emotional about it. What What would they do? I don't know. I really don't like I think they would probably feel bad. I think they'd be like, I had no idea that this weighed so heavily on you. I tell them. Yeah. Why not tell them? Yeah. Per I guess. Perhaps it would change the, <laughs> the tone of the discourse because like it hurts your feelings. I, I get it. I have a neighbor who I like. And the other day he came out wearing a let's go Brandon t-shirt. And I thought, man, I, you know, like, and because also for me, like, like that shirt, like, you know, it's upsetting that it means F Joe Biden, but like he's talking to me and I'm thinking like, you're like wearing a t-shirt that says F a friend of yours. <laughs> like, you know, so like I took it personally. And my point is I took it personally and he didn't know that I took it personally. And I, you know, he's my neighbor. I don't have to see him at Thanksgiving. It's fine. But like point I'm making is I bet it would change the nature of our exchange if he knew how deeply personal what he says about that kind of stuff is to me. And so I just wonder if it would make it a little less caustic if they knew. 
Well, I can certainly give it a try because I've got Thanksgiving and Christmas. So if one goes bad, you've always got a second <laughs> chance, I guess. Yeah, well, because, yeah, if it doesn't work, you can come back and just be just un- insufferable. At it. You could just you know, come back and just be terrible. No. No. <laughs> I'd get kicked out or they'd tell me to leave. <laughs> One one other thing I do sometimes is if people are saying it because you can't fact check people in real time. It's just so hard. So one thing I do is I just kind of play reporter sometimes when I'm hearing people and I'm like, all right, say that again. And I'll be like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to write that down. Um, and I just like I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong. I just had never heard that before. So is it if it's okay with you, I'm going to write this down and I'll email everybody afterwards. And it really shuts people up. Because that, they know I'll do it. You that know? is Jesus. literally perfect. That sounds great. It, even today, my dad made some comment like everything that the prosecution in the Kyle Rittenhouse case is talking about is propaganda. And I was like, yeah, I've never heard that word used in that way before. But sure. My um, uncle, my uncle once <laughs> accused me of doing that. He's called me a logic bully. And I was like, well, better, rather than an illogical bully, which is what you are, you know, I'm going to be a logic bully. That's yeah, perfect. Robbie. That yeah. sounds great. Uh, Thank it's you also guys. just it's just it's like it's also cathartic because you have something to do, which is all right. Let <laughs> me just let me just catalog these things and share with us. Like take notes, send send them to us. We'd love to know what people are talking about around the table and what their claims are. I will. All right. One one other thing I would say yeah. for you, and it goes to Ravi's point about what's your goal. My suggestion for you is for you to have two goals. One is for you to be able to have some nice moments with the family members that you like, just kind of be in search of those. Sometimes when like you laugh together or like whatever, you look at old pictures, whatever, you deserve that. So that you should, you should aim to have that. And then on the political front, I think you should give yourself a break. And rather than try to convince them, I think you should spend some time treating your mom like the jury and like, you're the, you know, you're plaintiff's counsel and you know, you're, you're, it sounds like mostly male relatives are, our uh, defense counsel and your mom is the one you're trying to persuade. Even if she doesn't say anything, even if she seems, if she's acting like she's not listening, take a little bit of pressure off yourself. And instead of worrying about convincing them, just try and make sure that your mom, that you have a chance to convince your mom to vote democratic in the midterm and just think of her as the jury. That sounds good. I definitely will. Cause uh, we got to get Ron Johnson out of here. So that's yeah. our, yes. that's my next goal. So yeah, yes. maybe, maybe bring up old Ron Johnson and let them say <gasps> a bunch of dumb stuff about Ron Johnson. And, and chances are, I bet they're not that informed on Ron Johnson yet. And you can go in guns a blazing about Ron Johnson. They'll be fully ill prepared. And, uh, and then, you know, get a little, get out there, define Ron Johnson for your mom before they can. That's an incredible goal. I'm I will definitely report back and let you know what kind of crazy discussions go on. But hopefully, at least my mom will come out of it unscathed. I'm going to feel really <laughs> bad Robbie, if like she never after this, like there's no Christmas dinner. Like it's like <laughs> I, see for me, I view that as a victory. I, am a, I, I as somebody who retreats often, strategically retreats. I, I view a retreat as a victory. Sometimes. I love I love my family. I do. I just uh I think I'll have my cousin at Christmas, so maybe I'll have another warrior with me. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Nice. There you go. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. This was amazing to talk to you. We enjoyed it. Thank you, Meg. Good luck. Thanks so much. Thank you. Right. So our friends at Future Hindsight just launched their 16th season. Pretty cool, right? It's a podcast we think you, our listeners, will love, especially since it's all about getting more civically engaged. It's hosted by Mila Atmos and is a podcast that takes 
big ideas about civic life and democracy and turns them into action items for you and me. Each week on Thursdays, Mila shares her in-depth conversations with changemakers, and this season is all about the social contract. They'll be exploring questions around how we as a society live together, what we owe each other, what we can ask of our government, and what are the obligations of power. They'll also be investigating how we can repair what's broken and renegotiate what's never worked or what's not working for us anymore. Even exploring ideas that might sound super radical, like whether votes of younger constituents should count more since they'll be affected by policy for longer. And I know I'm interested to hear more. And if you're looking for more ways to get involved, this is definitely the podcast for you. Find Future Hindsight wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody. I wanted to tell you about another show from Wonder Media Network that you might really like, White Picket Fence. Uh, You know, I'm a parent and I parented, as did my wife, through the pandemic. Uh, and it, it it hasn't been the easiest thing in the world. And uh, I can't imagine how much more difficult that would be and how much more difficult parenting would be generally if you're a single mom. And in season two of White Picket Fence, host and single mom Julie Kohler asks, why does it have to be this way? We'll hear from experts, activists, and parents as they unpack the caregiving crisis in America and reveal why the conditions were set long before COVID-19 ever hit American shores. Julie explores the myths about race, gender, families, and the economy that have gotten us to a point where so many parents, and especially mothers, are cracking. She also looks to how the pandemic can serve as a political tipping point to build political will for an alternative economic approach, one that puts caregiving at the center of our economy. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, next up is Carl from Omaha, Nebraska, who is estranged from his father and brother and is gearing up for the first Thanksgiving where he'll be introducing his partner to the family. Let's take a listen. All right, Carl, thanks for uh, for doing this. Yeah, why don't we just go ahead and invite you to sort of retell a little bit of, of like your voicemail that you left for us and the situation you're going into. Sure. So I'm a high school teacher in the Omaha area. Uh, my partner moved up with me uh, from Kansas this summer. Um, so I am gay and I grew up in rural Iowa. I have a father and a brother that are both rather conservative. Dad is one who watches Fox News all evening. Um, brother is one who... Just didn't go to college, has never left home really outside of a couple years in California, but he's very blue collar, drives a concrete truck sort of worker. Our falling out happened actually over vaccines and COVID and the Iowa State Fair and a Facebook post I had made back in early August. Uh, and my dad hasn't really spoken to me much over the last year for unknown reasons, whether it's politics on Facebook, because He'll make a comment and then get kind of lambasted by my friends that are online. And so that has been uh, an interesting family dynamic now. And so I'm headed home for Thanksgiving. My partner is coming with me and he's never been introduced to my dad's side of the family. Is your mom in the picture? Yeah. So they they separated years ago. So he, uh, my partner has met my mom and we we usually stay at her house anyways. And so he came out last Christmas was the first introduction there. Okay, so this is just going to be you and your dad and your brother and your partner over dinner or like multiple days or what are we looking um, at here? So it'll be Thanksgiving Day. It'll actually be that whole extended side of the family. Oh, okay. Uh, indulge me here. Let me ask a question. So what you've set up here is is a pretty um, treacherous 
you know, social terrain and familial terrain, but something made you decide to go home for Thanksgiving and introduce your partner to your dad's side of the family, including, you know, your dad and your brother who you've, it sounds like mostly your dad and your brother who you've been largely estranged from. And I'm just curious, how did you make that decision? Well, there was never really any thought to it. There's never a question of I wasn't going home. I go home every Thanksgiving and every Christmas okay. because it's the only time that I see my extended family and my cousins. Okay. And so now that we're all adults, it's like adult hanging out. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's the point. It's yeah. fun. And are they all super conservative and very opinionated or no. is it varied? Okay. No, it's... All right. So you've got a little that you you'll you can go in take some blows, take some some punches and come back out for a breather with the other people and be like, oh my gosh, my dad just said this. And then you can go back in, right? Yeah. Well, and usually if dad says something, it's some short little quip. And okay. and most of us are just like audible eye roll. <laughs> okay. Um, what level of concern here is just the standard political disagreements with family? And then what level is, uh, you know, I'm gay and I'm coming home bringing my partner like or or is the coming out thing with your dad way in the past like where is that in in your sort of calculation here as to going into this so the coming out like happened but it's never been a big issue because i never was dating anyone that that it lasted long enough warranted coming home or mentioning to my parents and so some of it could be now that that's had to be faced head on. Um, and like I didn't come out to my grandmother until a year ago when I mentioned my partner. Um, and so that was kind of your, da your dad's mother. Yeah. And so that's kind of when that fractured or when I could trace that back. And at the time he was like, well, maybe because vaccines are out yet at Christmas time, it was maybe don't come see grandma because you're from a different environment. So are you, your dad and your brother are vaccinated though? I'm not entirely sure. Um, but they're not like the vaccine is bullshit. They're like, you don't know. Cause you're I don't not know. talking. To I don't know because they okay. haven't talked to me. Our falling out over the vaccine was basically because I, I put up a Facebook post that was like, Iowa, get your crap together. Like state fair is happening. You have COVID cases continuously on the rise for the last two weeks. I would love to go, but I'm not going to put myself at risk because I'm walking into a new high school and I have students who probably can't or aren't vaccinated. And that puts them at risk. And he was like, you're being a pussy. And I was like, you just had your first child. Okay. And in my head, I'm going on majority 54. They talked about trying to find common ground. And so I was like, you have a kid that you're trying to protect, right? And he goes, yeah. stop using her as a shield. That's pathetic. It's like, okay. So this, this sounds like a conversation that definitely happened on Facebook. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can tell that you could, it's, it's, I mean, uh, it is the fence. You're being a pussy. Sounds like a very well thought out <laughs> response to that. So Carl, who convenes this, by the way? Remind me, who's the one who kind of puts it all together? It's usually probably planned by my uncle. And what's the uncle's situation? Is he an ally to you? As much as I can tell. I mean, every time I see him, he's always interested in what I'm doing, how his work, how his life makes good conversations. I'm his dad's brother. Yes. So I have no reason to believe that he's not going to be welcoming when we walk in. And what would happen if you called your uncle and expressed to him some of your anxieties and said, look, what's the best case scenario here? And is there any way you can help me communicate this to, you know, his brother and your brother? 
Do you think he could be helpful there? Well, I feel like most of us play nice when it's in a family situation. We tend to be on our best behavior. And in fact, my mother has texted me and said, was like, I know you and your brother are having problems, but you will be on your best behavior when you're in my house. And she said, and, yeah, sounds like and my mom. yes, yeah. I sent the same thing to your brother. What's your best case scenario and worst case scenario here? What are you most worried about happening and what are you most hoping to, to happen in this gathering? Right now, I'm anticipating it just feeling awkward because outside of some major life things like when I was in a car accident a few weeks ago or double payment on my cell phone bill, like I've not heard anything from my dad who used to call me almost once a month just to check in. So just kind of a feeling of awkwardness. If he disapproves of my partner being there, I don't think he's going to say anything. He'll just be quiet. Yep. And in, in calling him and talking about this before the gathering is, is out of the question. No, I mean, I've how would he react if you if you were honest with him about this before the gathering and said, hey, you know, I love you. I miss those days when you called me all the time. And I am not sure if we'll ever get back to that. But I also don't know how many family gatherings we have left together. And I want to make it, you know, a happy, worthwhile experience. Yeah, I don't know. For a while, and, I, and I've and i talked with my partner about this, I've wanted to call and be like, why, why are you so quiet? Is it just the political thing? Is it that I'm gay and I'm in a relationship, so now you can't ignore it kind of thing? Was it that you almost had to tell grandma that I w had a boyfriend instead of me doing it? It could yeah. be any of the above. It might be worth asking him directly, you know, and you don't even have to provide multiple choice for him. Maybe just leave it open ended, yeah. you know, and say like, hey, what's going on? It would either clear the air or tell you exactly what the score is going in. Yes, you yeah. are correct. What's your partner's level of, of trepidation going into this? I don't know. Honestly, I haven't asked. When you think about your goals, um, I have to imagine... Like one of the things you're worried about is just them having a, a good experience because it seems to me like it's important to you to be able to go back there every year. Yes. Um, and so I think, I th so what I'm saying is if, if that means having to let some stuff go by and not challenge every single thing and just allow some stuff to be, that's okay. Like I, you should give yourself some permission to do that because if the most important thing to you with this is, is being able to be with your family and to have your partner be a part of that. It's okay if you don't swing at every pitch. I would over-communicate with your partner. I agree with Jason. It's like, I, if I were in their shoes, I would be like, holy, if you're feeling the way you're feeling, I could only imagine what they're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And it's natural to have these concerns. Like, <clears throat> I remember once, uh, and you're past this point, but it sounds like it's still, it's not fully resolved or talked about with your family. Like, I, I remember a close friend of mine once went home to to come out to his parents and he he kept texting me during it and was saying like how he felt, you know, kind of odd that it was so hard. And, and I reminded him, I said, hey, you know, people have literally taken their own lives to avoid these conversations before. Like it's it's one of the hardest conversations there is. So like also give yourself some grace for that. Like if, if that's making it difficult, it's OK. Like you shouldn't like don't beat yourself up over that. Like it's their fault. They're the ones making that hard. It's obviously not your fault at all, but it's. It's hard for everybody who goes through this, is my point. 
Carl, before we let you go, just give us a give it back to us. Like, what do you what are you thinking now? Like, what are your what are your next few steps? Is there anything you feel like? All right, you're now certain you're going to approach it a certain way. Any lingering questions you have? Um, no, I like I I need to call my dad and be like, okay, we have been distant. Why? I saw that he unfriended me on Facebook. Odd, random. Don't know when it happened, but okay. Um, and then talk with my partner about hey, like. Cause we, we just signed a house. So like Thanksgiving is not super on our radar. It's inspections and appraisals and insurance, but to sit down and have a conversation of like, you're meeting my other side of a family. How do you feel? Yeah, man. When shit is weird with family members and you don't want it to be, you know, I think the thing to think about is, you know, it's one thing if you're like at a place, I mean, Ravi, for instance, I think it's at a place with his dad where it's like, I, you know, I'm okay with where this is. Um, and it doesn't sound like you're there. Just think of it as like, if your dad dropped dead tomorrow, you would really wish you'd had this conversation and that you hadn't gone to Thanksgiving and just like not talked about it. You yeah. Know? So I think just rip the bandaid off, have that conversation. I'm sure you'll be glad you did. Fair enough. All right, man. Vaya con Dios. God bless you, Carl. Uh, Thanks. Thanks, man. Finally, we spoke with Sarah, a COVID nurse in Nashville, Tennessee, who is still trying to win over her vaccine-hesitant family. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Hello. Okay. Uh, Sarah, thanks for doing this with us. You know, we listened to your voicemail. Uh, Will you give the listeners just sort of like a 30-second version of what made you want to uh, talk with us? Yeah, of course. So it was my day off and I'm a ER nurse and I don't know how to be still. So I was listening to you guys and figured I'd call in and talk about my family and our Thanksgiving conversations, mainly about the COVID vaccine. Um, prior to being an ER nurse, I was on a stroke tele-unit that turned COVID in March 2020. And so I worked with COVID patients and we were on an ICU overflow. So worked with some kind of a really sick COVID patients. And so my family saw that. And mainly, I wanted to talk about my extended family, our cousins, the aunts, uncles, things like that, because they aren't vaccinated and are very against it. They kind of tend to be on the side of that COVID may have been man-made and the numbers may have been kind of altered for media purposes. Um, and specifically with the vaccine, that they specifically believe that it will have an effect on fertility, specifically for the women in our family. But mainly all my cousins aren't vaccinated and even the ones who are my age in their twenties as well. So the aunts and uncles, and they don't really go deep into it other than the fact that, that they don't know what it, what's in it and they don't want to put something that they don't know what it is in their body. And so I kind of want to counter that the best I can, because I have the science background, I have the experience background and I do this daily kind of educating patients on the COVID vaccine. Um, in the ER. And so I don't know necessarily how to counter it with my own family in that sense. Are you expecting them to like, are they going to like just pounce on you? Or is this something where you you proactively have the goal of, of trying to convince a few of them to get vaccinated, even if they don't bring it up? I think ideally proactively, because before it was kind of a pounce on you situation, but I think they know now with me not to do that. How did they and learn that? You, we, you, rea- you reacted in a way that was like, I know what I'm talking. This is what I do all day. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, yeah, I reacted in that way. And kind of they understand that I understand the science of it. So they don't even want to talk to me about it. Because I think deep down, they know what they're saying doesn't have a sound mind in it. I think they kind of use it more as an excuse not to do it because of its of the whole political aspect of it. Jesus, Jason, this is the hardest of the three today, for <laughs> yeah, sure. I agree. Uh, so I ask everybody the same question, which is, what is your goal? Is your goal to get them the vaccine? And is it is it to get them the vaccine because you want to spend time with them and you're not spending time with them as they're unvaccinated? No, I am still spending time with them. I mainly just want them to be as safe as possible and just to keep other people safe. Like, for example, one of them, he's a pilot. And so he's around people every day and the other, they mainly work from home, but mainly just keeping other people in the public safe. And then also our own family members, because um, like my great aunt and great uncle, they're in their eighties. One of them has heart failure. So like if they were to get COVID, they most likely would not have positive outcomes. So it's mainly trying to keep other people safe. And then also seeing the long-term effects of COVID like with patients that I have coming in now in the ER, they may have gotten COVID a few months ago, but now they're having a lot of different health aspects that are affecting them negatively. So like I've seen people in their twenties with now these major heart conditions from long-term COVID and me seeing that daily. I don't want my family members to have to deal with that. A quick question before we get to your thoughts. Mm -hmm. What do you think your family members feel when you talk about it? Like, I mean, what emotionally do they feel judged? Do they feel irritated? Like, I'm just curious, what do you think they're feeling when you talk about your experience and tell them, you know, why you care about it? That's the thing I truly don't know. Because I don't know if they feel judged. I don't want them to feel that way. Cause I just kind of explain it kind of how I just sit right to you of the people I see that come in really sick from it. And so I'm not sure if they are feeling judged or if they think that I'm just wrong and it's not worth it. And like, they may not be at risk. Maybe it's a risk versus reward situation. The thing is I truly don't know. That's probably something I have to dig a little deeper in the conversation to figure out what is it they're feeling like, what's the barrier. Cause I've kind of come to the conclusion that I think it's just a you can't tell me what to do thing. Yeah, I just wonder what would happen if you asked, like, because it might give you yeah. some clues as to what to navigate around, right? Because if they're feeling judged, then uh, the more information you try to helpfully give them, the more you're really just building up a wall. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that would be a valuable piece of evidence to acquire. Okay, I, I totally agree with that. And I, I think along those lines, perhaps, you know, this, this is, this has worked with minimal like to a, a minute, like a small amount for me is, is saying, I'm very worried about you and I'm not going to go, I'm not going to be aggressive about it, but I invite you. It would mean a lot to me if you heard me out, but I don't want to just force it on you. So think about it. And I would love to like, in a time and place of your choosing, give you my best assessment of where we are right now. And if they're willing to take you up on it, and that's important because like mm -hmm. sometimes like just pushing it in the wrong time and place for people just had backfires. If you can get people to talk about it and, and, and opt into the conversation, then one thing that works is kind of anchoring in acknowledging any rational fears that they have. So like a good example is like the Wuhan theory to be like, look, yeah, I think 
it's a possibility, right? And right now it's it's a possibility that we may have different beliefs on whether it's a certainty or not, but it certainly seems like a theory that could be valid. And I am frustrated by some of the media's handling of that claim. And like, there could be a couple other things like shifting public health regulations or whatever and be like, I know this stuff is frustrating. So acknowledging like certain things that are true and they'll be like, but that doesn't mean that some of this other stuff is true. I, I, I acknowledge that that you're frustrated because of those things and you may not trust a lot of people because of those things. And I, and I want to validate some of that, but the, the leap doesn't mean that COVID is totally made up and that it's not harmful. And here's why mm-hmm. maybe, maybe that works, you know, because then they don't feel judged. You could be like, Hey, I understand why you feel the way you do, but you know, yada, 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 maybe that will help. Yeah. I think you guys are right. That's honestly awesome. And something that has put this little conversation put in perspective that I do need to figure out, do they feel judged by, our conversations that they have and what the real reasoning being kind of held up on it is. So thank you guys. Well, cause the thing to keep in mind is that while I'm sure you're not saying anything like you're crazy anti-vaxxer or like you're any, any of that stuff, you're not saying mm-hmm. that, but they hear other people saying that. Yeah. So, so when you're doing the very standard, very professional thing that you do at the bedside of a patient when talking to them and their family, that's exactly the right thing to be saying, but through no fault of your own, they're not exclusively hearing what you're saying. They're also hearing mm-hmm. the other things. And and so maybe part of it is you say, look, I, I want to be clear. Like, I know what people have said on TV, but I don't think you're crazy. And, I, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and I don't think that like you're backward or anything like that. I And maybe you say like to use your experience in the hospital uh, to your advantage. I meet a lot of people who are in the hospital with me and they're really sick. Some of them die, but I get to know them and I can tell that they weren't crazy and that they weren't any of those things. And maybe you just tell them like, and it kills me that I wasn't able to get through to them. I didn't know them before that. Cause maybe if I had, and mm-hmm. so you, then you can say, then you're saying to them, Hey, don't think you're crazy. Have lots of respect for you. Just care about you. And I'm worried about you. If you can affirmatively say, I don't think you're nuts. And, and, and given the information that's been put out there, I can see how a person can reasonably have concerns, but here's the mm-hmm. deal. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like I, that. I don't know. This is the hardest one. <laughs> yeah. Well, good luck, Sarah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Hopefully you all enjoyed this episode uh, as much as we did. Hopefully, most importantly, you find it useful. Uh, Let us know. You can leave a comment wherever you listen to this podcast, or you can let us know on social media, or you can give us a call and uh, leave us a voicemail letting us know if you think we gave the wrong advice to somebody, for instance, and you have a different idea. Let us know. Maybe we'll play that on the air. 508-687-2589-508-687-2589. I'm at Jason Kander on Instagram and Twitter. Ravi is at Ravi M. Gupta on Twitter and Instagram. And right now he's in Costa Rica, not just surfing, but also learning how to play tennis. So if you want to see some Ravi tennis content, what better thing to do for the holidays than go over to Ravi's Instagram and check that out. And our show is at Majority54 on Twitter. Remember, we all have a platform. Make sure to use yours today. Majority 54 is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Grace Lynch and Edie Allard. The theme music provided by Kemet Coleman. And special thanks to Diana Kander. It's so much easier to give people advice than to take it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, call your dad. <laughs> yeah, call your dad. Say the thing. You guys only have so much time. 
on this earth. Well, that's <laughs> well, that's why that's why coaching is easier than playing. <laughs> yeah. Hi, listeners. It's Robbie with a question for you. What if instead of being on the brink of disaster, we're on the cusp of a better world? For that answer, I recommend listening to the What Could Go Right podcast. Each week, Progress Network founders Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varvalukas dive into the biggest news and most pressing topics of our time, from elections to climate change, and make the case for a brighter future with guests like Harvard professor Arthur C. Brooks and California State Senator Robert Hertzberg. Progress is on the way. Find out on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts.